This one's gonna be fun to edit. It's because we've both had some wine. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're reflecting on how the books from our childhood have shaped us into who we are as readers today. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. We're working on some really fun stuff for 2019, and it wouldn't be possible without our community of supporters. So please allow us to take a moment here at the top of the show to thank our devoted listeners and Patreon members. We so appreciate you listening each week, writing in to ask us questions, and generally showing love for the podcast. Through contributions on Patreon, we've been able to afford fun things like more bookmarks. Those are coming and basic necessities like website hosting and equipment. If you would like to support He Read, She Read, you just have to go to patreon.com slash he read, she read to choose a monthly payment of one, three, or five dollars. In addition to bonus episodes, patrons receive perks like book discussion guides, newsletters, and behind the scenes info. So go ahead and check that out at patreon.com slash he read, she read. So Thursdays, 10% off military discount at the local organic market. Mm -hmm. So I went today. Maybe I go once a month. Does that sound right? Sure. Maybe once a month. Anyway, they're very nice there. And I was wearing this t-shirt. It says reading is my favorite. So as I'm at the checkout, the older lady, maybe 60s, late 60s. Was she still wearing Christmas lights? Huh? Was it the lady that was wearing Christmas lights? I don't remember. Okay, continue. Anyway, she goes, oh, so you're a reader. And I said, yes. And she said, have you read Educated? Which was one of my favorite books of 2018. So I was like, boy, have I. And she got all excited about it. We talked about that for a little bit. And I was like, have you read The Glass Castle? And she goes, no. So I got to give someone a book recommendation. She grabbed a piece of paper and wrote it down and everything. Was it more satisfying IRL or do you like it more on the podcast? Um, I like it however it can happen. We're just bossy like that. Yeah, just like telling people what to do. Read this. You'll love it. (laughs) Today we're starting with a listener question from Holly, who says, I teach third grade and wonder how you feel about censoring what kids choose to read. I know that Chelsea teaches older kids, so that might have a different perspective. But as a primary teacher, I struggle with sometimes knowing what is appropriate to put in my classroom library. For example, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I have high reading level girls who love Judy Bloom, but I know there are some sensitive topics in that book that some parents might not find age appropriate. I feel like this one is firmly in your corner. Well, and neither of us, we're not parents yet. So I feel like I can answer as a teacher and as someone who was a high reading level kid once um, and who was definitely reading books that maybe were above maturity or development level. So teaching-wise, I think the safest bet with this is to just make permission slips because that absolves you of some responsibility. It's sort of a um, CYA kind of thing for teachers. Um, And it allows you to communicate with the parents about the books that the kids are reading easily. So um, permission slips, that's a good ticket just so that you can keep in touch with parents. I, it's, 
it's hard to say because every parent is going to be different. So thinking about my childhood and when I was sort of surpassing like the average reading level, probably third grade is about third and fourth grade, maybe fifth. My mom did read a lot of the books that I was reading, but at a certain point I became such a voracious reader and I was reading too much for her to keep up. Um, She was working, like there was just too much other stuff going on. I have a brother that she had to worry about too. So um, she just kind of at some point said like, you're just going to read whatever. And if you come across something that you feel uncomfortable about, you can bring the book to me and talk about it with me and don't hesitate to do that. And I don't know, I feel like meeting tough topics in books first before you encounter them in real life is the safest way for kids to discover tough things about the world. So I'm very anti-censorship. And yes, there are kids who are extra sensitive. So I think the most that you can do as a teacher, Holly, is just have permission slips ready. And for the books that you think are above a certain developmental level, like just have the kid sign a, have the parent sign a permission slip before the kid can read the book and check it out from your uh, classroom library. Makes sense. Were you like that? Were you like surpassed into more adult books at a certain point or, you know, like older books because your reading level was higher? Maybe not as much where it would be an issue with like adult content, but more, um, Honestly, it was more like boring books because I would just read a lot of histories about the Civil War that were above my reading level. Yeah, I I do wonder if there is like a certain gendered thing because like books that are maybe traditionally thought of as boy books, even as you increase level, they might talk about like there might be more violence, but I feel like maybe as a society we're okay with that. Yeah. I'd say that was more the trend that I was reading towards, and it was just a lot more nonfiction that was above my level when I was a younger age. Whereas I think the concern is, I don't know, I think sexual content is maybe more of a concern for parents, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if maybe people tend to shelter girls from that more. I don't know. I I don't know, because we don't have kids yet, but... Your mom is going to be stoked that she got a mention on the podcast, though. (laughs) On her Tuesday morning commute. (laughs) Well, Curtis, you had the pleasure of being a guest on the SSR podcast. I did. It was awesome. Um, If our listeners haven't checked it out yet, they should go and download episode 30. That is you talking with Allie about the Phantom Tollbooth. So I'm the second in her series in January called Manuary, where she's interviewing four male guests to counteract her normal podcast, which is called Shit She Read. So she interviews a female guest and they read a book from childhood and go over it. So we had a couple of choices. Um, I went with The Phantom Tollbooth and absolutely loved every second of it. It's got a lot of puns, very wordy, and we had a good conversation. So I'm looking forward to hearing it because I haven't heard it since we recorded, obviously. So it should be fun. It's a great show. Um, I've been listening to it for a while and really enjoying the revisit to a lot of books that I read as a kid. But I think that you being on the show and us sort of talking about The Phantom Tollbooth got us thinking about the books that we loved as kids and then how they have sort of influenced us and stuck with us as adults and as readers. 
We generally address this topic in our episode one, Hardy Boy Meets Nancy Drew, where we talked about our childhood reading experiences. And if you haven't worked your way through the backlog, that's a good one to start. Um, but today we're getting a little bit more specific about some of the books and series we loved as kids and asking how they shaped us as people and then also how they shaped our reading lives. Yeah, this is major nerd territory. We're getting into the weeds. We're <laughs> yeah. getting into the weeds. Do you want me to start with one of mine? Well, you're the first on the outline. All right. So, yeah, if anyone wanted a behind-the-scenes peek at what the podcast process is like. It's not all seat, of the, it's not all seat of the pants, people. <laughs> there is a method. This is the first thing that I thought about. And actually, maybe I thought about this before I even thought about the idea for this episode. But I've been reading Drums of Autumn, which is the fourth book in the Outlander series by yes. Diana Gabaldon. I started it in November, and I finally finished it earlier this week. So I like that book, or I like the series a lot because of its rich historical detail. And it has been reminding me in the fourth book a lot of what I loved when I read Little House on the Prairie when I was little. How so? So (laughs) the Little House on the Prairie series, my personal favorite is Little House in the Big Woods, which takes place in Wisconsin, which Mm -hmm. is where we're from. And I read that book, I think in second grade, and I just devoured the whole series. I Love the historical detail of just what it was like to live daily life in a different time period. I think I still like books like that. But when I'm drawing a line from Little House on the Prairie to Outlander, in addition to like the descriptions of, here's how we healed sepsis in (laughs) pioneer days, or here's how I made tea from these various herbs... There are a lot of high-stakes situations in both series, and it's really about survival. Mm -hmm. And I've found that I really like books like that. The characters have a lot of toughness and grit, and they have to deal with a lot of tough situations that come up for them. And so I think that I'm drawn to books like that. You're into the drama. I am, Yeah. yeah. In terms of... So I feel like that's how it has maybe affected me as a reader. I still really love books that give rich historical detail that make me feel like I'm in a different time period, living the life of someone else, seeing what just the day-to-day was like. But then also there are these bigger themes of surviving in tough times. In terms of like real life, I find that I am really drawn to simplicity And I like a lot of domestic pursuits. Like I enjoy cooking. I enjoy making things homemade. Every year I make a big batch of homemade lip balm, for example. And Mm. I love the process of that, but I also love that it is homemade. And I think part of that is just I am really creative and that's an outlet. But also I can see sort of the threads of the little house on the prairie. Okay, we're going to get into it here. I think I've told you this story, but I loved that book series so much. And I had a really great group of girlfriends who loved books and reading and nerdy stuff just as much as I did. And so we would, like at recess for maybe second, third, fourth grade, we would, instead of playing tag or basketball or whatever with a lot of the other kids, we would go off literally into the woods and play imagination games like Little House on the Prairie 
we're in a cabin, we're surviving the winter, let's make a fire, all of that. And some of, like, a different group of the girls, I guess you would say they were, like, the mean girls or the popular ones. They were the ones who shopped at, like, Aeropostale and wore lip gloss before everybody else. (laughs) They decided that they would call us the Little House on the Prairie girls in, like, a derisive, like, derogatory way. But internally, you're just like, yes, that's what we're going for. I Yeah. That's that's our brand. Third grade Chelsea did not care. She was like, "Uh, yeah, that's awesome, actually, and I think that I'll totally adopt that name. (laughs) And I still feel feel like I'm a little house on the prairie girl inside. (laughs) Anyway, the, the main characters of... Those books, um, Laura and Claire, they're determined, they're spunky, and I just admire that a lot, and that's part of what I aspire to be. Also, every time I read Outlander, any book in the series, and Claire is like, oh, I can use this for this ailment because she's a legit doctor, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this reminds me of myself with my essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> you have I'm, a headache? I'm oh, I'll give some you some peppermint. peppermint. <laughs> Lavender for everything. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were developing these questions, did you kind of think of something that you're reading now and then relate it back to your childhood? Or were you doing it backwards, like thinking about what you were reading as a kid and then how that impacts you today? Um, Maybe a little bit of both. For this one, because I was in the middle of reading Drums of Autumn, that sort of came first. And then I thought about why do I love this so much? Why do I want a two page description of building a log cabin? Oh, because that's exactly what I got in second grade when I (laughs) read in the big woods. Yeah. When I was coming up with mine, it was the same where some of them are going from the past to the present in that order. And then one of them was looking at what I'm reading now and then trying to trace it back to how it all started. Yeah. But my first one was very much thinking what I used to read all the time and what I was obsessed with. And I had a little bit of a hard time trying to connect it with how it's impacted me today. Um, I was a big Star Wars books reader as a kid. Like, I'm talking hundreds of books in multiple series, all in what is now called like the Legends time period, but was the expanded universe before Disney bought out Lucas. I'm still a little bitter about that. I was going to say, you can tell from your voice right now. That I'm bitter? That you're so bitter. Well, (laughs) as I was researching, like, I wish I still had some of these books because when Disney bought out Lucas and said that the books are no longer part of the official canon, I flipped a shit and then sold them all. (laughs) And I was just so mad. Um, And I wish I still had them because they were a big part of my childhood. Uh, And it was hard to kind of narrow down which series I wanted to talk about, but I picked the X-Wing series, um, which was nine books written by Michael Stackpole and Aaron Alston from about 1996 to 1999, which is when I remember picking them up when I was in about first or second grade and then just tearing through the whole series. Um, It covers the Rogue Squadron formation. So they were... Um, X-Wing pilots in like the original movies, so 456. Wedge Antilles was the squadron commander who was the only guy to ever face down both Death Stars. I'm going down a nerd rabbit hole on this one. (laughs) You're starting to lose me. Can you tell I'm fading? I know you are. (laughs) But he was in the initial Death Star run um, with Luke Skywalker, and then he was the uh, red 
unit commander for episode six. I digress. Um, but the books are really good as far as like covering an epic tale like Star Wars, where it's so many authors and a lot of characters. And I think this what made me fall in love with characters, where like a lot of the books that I read today are really in depth with relationships and team building and people coming together to form and fight this like greater evil that they're going up against. So I'm thinking of like the red rising series where it's like people coming together and training and going through this sort of crucible and then using that experience to fight like this higher evil in throughout the books that they're going up against. Um, and I also thought of like Starship Troopers or Ender's Game where it's got that kind of sci-fi military fiction um, that I've really been drawn to not only since I joined the military, but even before when I was in high school and in college. So in my reading life, it's kind of drawn me to like books that have an epic scope, lots of intriguing characters with some good sass back and forth. And then in my real life, you know, I never really examined too hard why I decided to join the army, but I feel like this has a big impact, like of the books that I was reading, the shows I would watch, and people, like, even though it's a fictional universe, it's still, like, a military environment, and I can't help but wonder if that, like, impacted the path that I went down, and also I enjoy a lot of sarcasm and sass, so that's in spades in these books. <laughs> I could tell I was losing you there for a second when I was talking about it, but... Yeah, my eyes started to glaze over. I could feel it. <laughs> but I love Star Wars. And th I think another one that this taught me was, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's not overly intellectual or difficult reading. If you enjoy the topic, if you enjoy the environment and it's fun for you, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. So that that taught me to just read what I love, find stories that I like and stick with it. Before we get the messages of like, Chelsea, why don't you like Star Wars? Um, I do. I Ho like. However, comma. <laughs> I like the classic Star Wars films. Yes. But I don't care enough to go like into the books or anything else like that. Well, there's no point now because it's not part of the official right. story. But that's what a big part of my 1990s and early 2000s was, was just eating up all of these books. I would compare that to my experience with the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. Like where there are literally hundreds of those books and they're short. And you just get them all and devour them one after the other. Mm -hmm. So, so you empathize, but you're also totally not interested in hearing more about it. Well, you're not <laughs> interested in hearing about Stacy's first crush either, are you? Is she from the Babysitters Club? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm really glad that Allie didn't make me read that for SSR. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, the next one on my list is the Dear America and Royal Diaries series. These were what they sound like. The Dear America was, um, they were usually girls between the ages of like 11 to 15, I would say. And it would be, for example, like the diary or the letters of an Irish immigrant or the diary or letters of a um freed girl who was enslaved and learned how to read um those were the dear america ones and then the royal diaries were like the diary of queen elizabeth or mary of scots or cleopatra are these i'm guessing fiction like they're fictionalized fiction? yeah they're 
fictional accounts of these women at like a young age. So at the target age, I was maybe like nine or 10 when I was reading them. Mm-hmm. I drew the line from that series, which I think I read every single book in the Dear America and the Royal Diaries. These were put out by Scholastic and it was all like probably a bunch of ghost writers. They were under like the same umbrella. But anyway, I drew a line from those to Educated by Tara Westover. And I did this because I'm, I've been really drawn to memoir and it's been sort of hard for me to pinpoint why until this year. Um, it took me a while to figure it out, but I really love reading someone's story, especially if they're completely different from me, but I can find a connection to them somehow. Like with Dear America, I could read about this young 12-year-old girl who, you know, emigrated from Ireland to New York and lived this totally different life in a different time period, but maybe she was lonely or she there was something about her family that I connected to and I really loved that. Or Cleopatra, who thinks they have anything in common with her, yet the way these books were written, you felt like, oh, I could be her. (laughs) (laughs) So I think format is also interesting to me. These were written like journals or letters, and I like epistolary novels. I like journals. I don't mind when authors include text messages or emails, as long as it makes sense in the story. Yeah, but in real life, the books developed an interest in learning for me. And I think in general, when you read books about people who are different from you, you foster empathy. There are some studies that show that readers have more empathy than people who don't choose to read, especially fiction. And that makes sense. You're putting yourself in someone else's shoes as Mm -hmm. you're reading. Yeah. Um, And maybe Dear America is even responsible for me loving letter writing. Who knows? Potentially. Or, Or journaling. You know what? Because I loved these books, I also really loved The Diary of Anne Frank when I was in about fourth grade. Mm-hmm. I, I've i tried so many times to keep a journal, and even into my adulthood, and I it never works for me. Only for books. I'm horrible at journaling. Yeah. Yes, I'll track my books, and I'll like keep a bullet journal, which is a planner, but I, I will not sit and journal about my day. What's your next connection? So for my second one, I started with the modern and then tried to diagnose and go backwards. So when we were on What Should I Read Next, I talked about my favorite book of all time was Gates of Fire, which is a historical fiction. And I'm well known for being a big nonfiction reader. And I was trying to trace that back um, to a specific book that I remember from my childhood. And I came down with Rifles for Weighty by Harold Keith, which was a children's book written in the 1950s and then republished in the 90s. And it's actually the first book I remember listening to on either CD or cassettes or whatever the library had. Um, For the younger listeners out there, a cassette (laughs) is a strip of like content that you would put into a cassette player and some, you'd have to either rewind it or fast forward. I don't think this is going to translate well on audio, but to the one like 16-year-old that listens to us. Google cassette tape. (laughs) (laughs) But essentially, it's a story of a 16-year-old kid um, during the Civil War who joins the Army in 1861, fights for the Union. Uh, He's from Kansas, so he's been exposed to all of the, um, like, 
cavalry scouts from the Confederacy raiding and burning everything. And he's in the conventional army for a while, and then he gets um, given this undercover operation where he goes and infiltrates the Confederacy and actually is attached to this raiding unit um, with Colonel Wadey where he's trying to find him and report back to his bosses in the Union Army. And it's really compelling story where you feel in his shoes where he's fighting on both sides. And I think it's a good connection for me where I enjoyed the historical descriptions and it really it sparked my interest in the Civil War, which continued for years after that and into today. Um, I just read Crucible of Command by Robert, or about Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant, and I'm waiting on Ron Chernow's Grant biography to come across my like peripheral so I can actually read it. Um, but I think it all started with this book and really sparked my love for his, both historical fiction because of the accuracy and detailed accounts of what's going on, and then also just the Civil War history in general, which I took classes on in college and is still a big part of my collection today. Why do you think specifically the Civil War interests you so much? Is it just like one of those childhood fascinations that you think you latched onto? Or is there something about the conflict that is fascinating to you? I think it's always intriguing when you're fighting within your own country and fighting with brothers against brothers. And like when you're everybody's united and fighting on different country, it's different than things that are trying to rip us apart from within. I think that's more compelling. Because you really like to read about Lincoln, too, in mm-hmm. terms of like the overall leadership, not just the military conflict. So yes. I didn't know if it was just, I don't know, sometimes you're interested in something as a kid and it just never goes away. I think it's part of that. And then also it might have just been the timing in the 90s where they were writing, uh, where they were writing children's books about the Civil War. And it's easy to draw connections to that because there was a lot of kids that were involved in the Civil War. Like True. whether it's like um, drummer boys or scouts or people that lied about their ages to enlist. There's lots of stories like that where younger kids were getting involved and had big roles to play. So that might have been a thing as well. Okay. As you were talking about rifles for... Weighty. Weighty? Okay. I thought of a book that I really loved when I was younger and I'm kind of blanking on the title i think her name was charlotte and it was a young woman who dressed like a boy so that she could like fight in the revolutionary war i remember that book yeah i don't remember what it was called but i remember but i loved that one Mm -hmm. and i was wondering if you had read it i have i remember i remember the reveal on that one where she was wounded and then they were like yes they pulled apart her top and then their her like breasts were tied down yeah like hey this is a lady yeah classic cross-dressing soldier Mm -hmm. right i always have to get wounded um oh gosh it's bothering me that i don't remember what that one is called the true confessions of charlotte doyle oh yeah that cover is pretty oh and it's a newberry award winner so was rifles for weighty okay this one she doesn't maybe i'm thinking of a different book where she fights in the revolutionary war i do remember the true confessions of charlotte doyle though because this one's pirates yeah. 1832. Mm-hmm. That was a battle. So, that was never a, mind. <laughs> that was a battle of the books book. Charlotte Doyle? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I loved Charlotte Doyle. I think maybe I need to go back and reread that one. Could be fun. Because obviously I have a different book totally confused. What's the Revolutionary War one? I don't remember. <sighs> Let's hope someone listening does. I feel like we need to revisit True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle for the podcast. Yeah. That'd be a fun one. 
In episode 16, Chelsea mentioned that one of her reading goals for 2019 is to stop purchasing books on Amazon, and I decided that supporting independent bookstores is a goal I can get on board with as well. But we realized that this meant canceling our Audible subscription too. You know we love audiobooks for road trips, chores, or walking penny around the neighborhood. That's where Libro FM comes in. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite indie bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know, the one that Chelsea's avoiding, and you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of He Read, She Read podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. And get this, it's the same price as the other company. You know, the one that we canceled. We've made the switch to Libro FM and hope you will too. Go to Libro FM, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M and enter the promo code HRSR, or go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. All right, Chelsea, what's your last callback that you want to talk about? Okay, I decided to go back to the first book that I remember very vividly hiding under the covers with my flashlight to finish. I know that I did this many other times with other books, but this one I really remember having to finish all of it and reading it the whole entire night with my flashlight. So that book was Ink Spell by Cornelia Funk, which is about a young girl whose father, when he reads books, the characters come to life and come out of the book. That's a cool power to have for a a dad. Nice. It was a pretty thick book from what I remember, at least like by, you know, kids book standards. And I loved that about it because you felt like you were reading a lot. Um, But I tied that to a book that I really enjoyed last year, The Hazelwood by Marissa Albert, which is kind of along the same lines where it's this girl and her grandmother was the author for these fairy tale books. And there's some mystery about like this fairy tale world that you can kind of go back and forth to. So in terms of how Ink Spell affected my reading life, I've noticed I really do enjoy books about books and reading. I love fairy tales. And when I read fantasy, I tend to prefer fantasy novels that feel a little bit grounded in the real world. Or they have to be so captivating, like the Game of Thrones books, that I feel like I am in a real world. But I just, I really love fairy tales or retellings of classic literature. A series that I really liked is The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer, and that retells various fairy tales. But I also still to this day love reading a book that keeps me up all night reading to see what happens next. It's rare, I love sleep, but to find a book that you can't put down, I still love that feeling the same way that I did with Ink Spell. So you're just chasing that high of Absolutely. not being able to put the book down. Yeah. Yes. What's your final one? Um, so my last one was The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And I kind of made the connection from the first fantasy series that I really enjoyed to my 
current obsessions with George R. R. Martin, Michael J. Sullivan, Patrick Rothfuss, and all of those series that I've devoted a lot of time to. So reading it as a kid, it was um, like we both grew up and went to Christian schools. So they were popular from that sense because it was kind of like an easy gateway fantasy where like it has a uplifting story and you can obviously see the connections with everything with Aslan and all that. Let's be real. It was, kids, we don't want you reading Harry Potter because that's witchcraft. So you might as well read Chronicles of Narnia. (laughs) Here's the Jesus version. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But it's kind of the connection that I see to the sword and sandals epics that I've fallen in love with. So, And it's the same thing that I kind of said with the X-Wing series where I really like stories where people from different backgrounds and different personality types are coming together for a common cause to either support a mission or to fight a certain enemy. So I was I really liked the Voyage of the Dawn Treader because that was kind of like a quest book where they didn't really have an enemy that were fighting. They were just on a mission because I like missions. So reading life-wise, I like books like that where it's... Either somebody's going to get the Iron Throne or there's a quest that they're going out to do. And personally, there's different characters from different perspectives and just teaching about respect and also interacting with your siblings and people around you and just how to be a a better person. Confession time. Go. I've only ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Really? And I have never read the rest of the series. I read the whole series multiple times, but who's shocked by that? I have the series. Actually, I think it's in one of the boxes in the room right next to us here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have them, but I have not read all of them yet. I think my favorites are The Voyage of the Dawn Treader and then The Last Battle. Because I kind of liked the apocalyptic nature of The Last Battle. And then just... The, the fights at the end but so you've only ever read the line the witch in the wardrobe yeah so this year we want to read harry potter yep maybe next year is c.s lewis and the chronicles of narnia series that'd be cool i'm already reading some other c.s lewis books this year so it might be interesting to revisit that series yeah that was fun to take a trip down memory lane i think it's really fun to try and figure out you know between the books or the movies that you loved Because obviously we know like family, parents, teachers shape you, but the media that you take in can absolutely have an an impact on who you become as a person, I think. Yeah, and like we mentioned at the start, it's either one of two things. Like you can really have a vivid picture of something that you loved as a kid and then how that reflects who you are today. Or you can look at things that you love to read and media that you consume and then try to diagnose it and trace it back. I kind of had more fun tracing it back with and not really being sure where it started like Mm -hmm. with rifles for weighty that was a little bit more fun than just knowing that oh yeah i love star wars so now i love other sci-fi books because that's a little bit easy connection yeah and honestly i think we probably could do this a hundred times over with (laughs) figuring out other books that we really loved yeah i think now we really need to read the charlotte doyle book and figure out (laughs) (laughs) where where that fits in especially since both of us really liked that one because for as much as we did both read a ton our reading lives when we were kids like there's not a lot of overlap there well i wouldn't anticipate there being that much but what is your recommendation of the week 
So avoiding a book or a podcast this time, I'm kind of just making a challenge for the listeners out there. Um, something that I did to prepare for this podcast and then also for the SSR episode that I guested on was to talk to my mom to figure out if she had a better recollection than I did about my reading habits as a kid. And of course she did. Uh, my mom was a kindergarten teacher and has a steel trap memory. So it, when I would give her a time frame, she would be like, oh yeah, you were reading this, this, and this. And well, and I'm like, well, what about eighth grade? Oh, you like this, this, and this. Because I couldn't <laughs> remember if I had actually read The Phantom Tollbooth. And she was like, no, you read that. And then I couldn't remember. Um, but she was able to direct me to uh, some other books that I loved as a kid. So I'm going to challenge listeners out there. Ask a parent if they remember you loving a certain book. And then try rereading it and see if it still holds up. That would be fun. And then go listen to the SSR podcast episode about it. Yeah. There is a, so Allie has a really good episode about Little House on the Prairie. And spoiler alert, it's really problematic when you go back and reread it, which is why I am not going to reread it because <laughs> I want it. Like it's things that you, like I didn't notice as a kid, but now I would have major problems with. So I'm tucking it in the corner of my brain that goes in like, oh, this is nostalgia and I'm just never going to touch it again. She also has multiple episodes on the Babysitter's Club, so if you want to talk, listen to more about Stacy or whoever you were talking about. Stacy, Marianne, Claudia, you know. The, f- the gang. The gang. <laughs> okay, everybody, so we want to say thank you for subscribing and sharing He Read, She Read. We love reading your comments, posts, and reviews each week. Reminder that our buddy read for this month is The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, and that episode will air January 29th. I've already finished it, and that's a rare one because I usually read it first, and I really enjoyed it, so I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please do. Those written reviews make a huge difference in reaching listeners, and they brighten up our day. Connect with us via social media or email. We're on Twitter and Instagram at HeReadSheRead, or you can email us at HeReadSheReadPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, the couple that reads together diagnoses those reading lives. That was real quick. Yeah, I had it. I almost didn't even finish my statement. Had it snappy. I'm ready. (laughs)